Welcome to the CP Media Podcast, brought to you by Team CP, your endurance coaching specialists. Uh, I am the media man with the mo, aka Angus Petrie. A big warm welcome to everybody out there, and of course, joining us on a Wednesday night live as our team captain, Rico Greer. How are you, mate? I'm really good, Angus. How are you getting on this evening? Mate, I'm really good. It's Wednesday night. It's the middle of the week. Uh, life's pretty good. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's good, isn't it? I was actually just looking back some photos of when we did Pioneer together a couple of years ago, and you didn't have the Mo. You looked a lot more streamlined. You raced in the weekend with the Mo. How does that, like, does it improve performance? Where are you at with that? Well, I like to say that it's uh, that it's aerodynamic. It's like the rear diffuser of a race car, if you can imagine. <laughs> the uh, the air comes in and uh, gets diffused through the, uh, the, the whiskers and aerodynamically right. out the side keeping some uh, downforce, uh, keep the wheels on the ground. And so... Oh, I see. Okay, is that how it works? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty, yeah. Proven, pretty proven technology is, uh, you know, <laughs> the, results, the results are there. And clearly there's been no testing in that. It's all just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> no, but look, I mean, we're digressing here, but I was walking down the street last night in Midtown uh, Christchurch, and we're walking out from dinner, walking down past another bar, and a guy just stops me and goes, excuse me, sir, but I love your moustache. <laughs> So, you know, anybody, how many? What was the ratio between I love versus I hate? What, what, you tell me how I love, but look, Richard, take my story on board, would you? And uh, and let's move on, Richard. Uh, it is Wednesday night. We are live. Uh, another great show ahead of us. What have we got tonight, Rich? Yeah, awesome. So we've got Dylan McNeese. We're going to talk to Dylan. Dylan has been a pro triathlete for a number of years, so we're going to have a bit of a chat to him. Uh, we're going to uh, also talk to Simon Salmon, uh, who's a physio as part of our performance network, specifically about shoulders, actually. So if you've got a bit of a dicky shoulder, uh, and we're going to talk specifically some swimming, some paddling, and, and just shoulders in general as well. And we're also going to have a bit of a chat to you, Angus. You uh, did the six-hour McLean's uh, race in the weekend, and you've done that a number of times. So get a bit of a feel for, for that race, what it is about uh, going round and round in circles for six hours in a row and maybe learn, learn a thing or two off you potentially as well. Or not. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> that was right your head there, Rich. Uh, oh, yeah, look, look, it'll be great just to have a wee talk about that and share some stuff. It was a great weekend racing and uh, and there's always, always learnings to take from that no matter how many of those you do. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's going to be good. But uh, th this week, we've got Dylan McNeese live to the show. Dylan's a professional triathlete um, who's basically like I've watched him a number of times down in uh, Wanaka, down with Challenge Wanaka, and kind of has a catch-me-if-you-can sort of attitude to racing. He's always uh, either the first or in the first few out of the swim um, and uh, and basically got a bike and a run to match and won that event a number of times. Um, so really keen to talk to Dylan about his training, about his racing at the highest level and the, one of the really good things for us is that Dylan's been a professional triathlete, but he uh, actually retired in March. So kind of that means for us is he's a bit of an open book. Um, he's got no secrets he necessarily needs to hide um, and keep from his uh, competitive. So really looking forward to having a bit of a chat to Dylan. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. I, uh, now, I don't know about no secrets, but uh, I'll do my best <laughs> to uh, let the world know what, what's, what it's all about. I was just going to say that there's many athletes that have retired uh, and aren't very good at retirement and uh, tend to make a comeback somewhere along the line and uh, maybe it's in a different category. There's always a very competitive uh, Vet One Masters or all sorts of things to do. So I, I'm guessing that uh, retired is a is not a, not a definite thing, right? Yeah, and, you know, to be honest, I've kind of, I kind of got lucky, I guess, in terms of retirement because there's no racing. So I, I haven't sort of had a chance to miss anything yet, um, yeah. which is kind of just throwing me in the deep end, which is sometimes the best way to learn, right? So, uh, but yeah, retirement for me will mean hopefully just some different sort of fun events, um, a bit of mountain biking. I ran the Able Tasman race the other weekend and uh, yeah, just cool little missions like that. So um, yeah. will there be a comeback? Oh, probably not, to be honest, but never say never, right? Yeah, just a different level, eh? Like things are just different. So different challenges. Yeah, jump on the mountain bike, run some trails, all those sorts of good things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did get a little bit sick of the the road, so um, mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed getting into mountain biking and learning that new skill. And you can actually feel the improvements when you when you do things like mountain biking. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, I I guess that's what I really enjoy is those those improvements. So um, the new things are, are good for that. 
and you get to a certain point in your in your professional career and those those improvements become less and less and less don't they they, they get harder and harder to get to whereas uh getting into mountain biking and building that up the, the improvements are like uh so much more exponential aren't they as you get out there yeah exactly and uh you know it's scary as well and i don't know who said it but you know they said uh ski yourself every day you know and um i guess i got to the point of my triathlon career where nothing was really scaring me other than uh probably the competition I, I had to face but um you know mountain biking sort of does that so it keeps the heart beating and um yeah there's a bit bit more excitement there brilliant uh how much is going to be on your knees what's the any any offset <laughs> i actually got a new bike um thanks to specialized though they hooked me up for mountain bike which may or may not have been a good thing but um my actually my first ride on it last november i think i uh got a bit keen and just hit this jump <laughs> and just absolutely absolutely went flying um no control at all and so took a big stack uh on my first ride which um you know like i say it was kind of getting thrown in the deep end so i, I learned that hard lesson pretty early and uh i have i have i've had a few crashes to be honest but um nothing nothing as bad as that first one well they say all the gear no idea <laughs> yeah that was definitely me so uh, <laughs> hey, it's good good to start at the bottom yeah and no. the bike's not one piece yeah, I actually managed to save the bike reasonably well. Um, so that I was Body pretty impressed with myself with that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just not probably what led to it. Yeah, yeah, you bore the brunt of it. Um, uh, jumping back, uh, Dylan, in terms of your triathlon career, uh, how did you get into triathlon? What drew you to the sport? And then also, like you evolved, you didn't start long distance racing. You start started with the ITU level, really. Uh, and what drew you to distance racing, like the, the Ironman distance? Yeah, um, so I was a swimmer for years and years, uh, which um, was, you know, it was just what I did at school. I didn't really enjoy it all that much. Um, and so come, I think, when I left, left school, first year at a university, I uh, actually had a, I decided to give up swimming and had a phone call from, from Roly Crichton um, saying, hey, I hear you've given up swimming. Why don't you come and, um, and do a triathlon camp? So that was where it all started for me. And I like most athletes in New Zealand, especially, I started with the the short distance uh, ITU stuff, and um, yeah, just sort of progressed through to the long longer distances. Uh, there was a part of me that always thought I would be better at those longer distances. I was a bit of a diesel engine, so um, yeah, definitely didn't expect to be to be able to do what I've done, I guess. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty happy when it all sort of came together in that first Wanaka back in uh, 2013. Yeah, brilliant. So so that was my next question, actually. Um, over your career, you won uh, a number of international long-distance Ironman distance races. Uh, is there one that really sticks out for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously Wanaka, uh, each year I won it was pretty special. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't exactly... Or I never, you know, each year I didn't exactly believe I was going to win. You know, I was I was always confident in my fitness and stuff. But there's so many great athletes, and you can you never know what's going to happen on the day. Mm -hmm. So every time that I won, I was uh, probably relieved as much as you know satisfied and super happy yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I I guess the first one, if I hadn't won that first one, I might have actually retired then. Um, yeah. It was going to be my first and my last, as a lot of people will know. Um, so, so winning that first Wanaka was definitely, uh, definitely what brought me to where I am now. So I, I can't complain about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just as part of that, like as a pro triathlete, like, how do you how do you make your money? Do you like how much is it sponsorship? How much is it winnings from winning races? How does that work? Because you're obviously travelling. There's a fair bit of expense going on to be able to get yourself around the world. Yeah, I think definitely the top guys. Most of their money is in sponsorship. Um, yeah. if they've been around a while and have had good results they should also have good good bonus structures so mm -hmm. when they do win a race it's you know the prize money is is kind of a minor part of their earnings mm -hmm. um, and to be honest it's absolutely necessary to have good sponsors and, and good bonus structures because the prize yeah. money's just just really not there so i was really lucky to build some um you know like good law relationships through my time as an athlete and, and still have those relationships now so um, cool. that's that's uh that's critical as a as a pro to um just setting a setting a good base and, and then being able to kind of race a bit more freely 
Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, racing from the front. I mentioned that in my uh, in my intro. Um, uh, you've always been a phenomenal swimmer, and obviously that's come from your swimming background as you were younger. Um, you were first out of the water, or, or at least in the first handful of athletes onto the bike. What was your mindset getting onto the bike? Um, has it always been, let's just put the hammer down, let's ride my own race, let's see what everyone else has got, or actually I'm here now and I'm in good shape. I'll just yeah, I'll just hang out. What? what how? How did have you approached that over the years? Um, I can kind of tell you what I, I did and then what I yeah. should have done and what <laughs> okay. I found actually yeah. worked. And yep, yep. what I found worked was really when I just put the blinkers on and did my own thing. Um, right. Just rode my own race, mm-hmm. controlled my tempo. Um, you know, you get wound up and especially in professional racing, you get wound up sort of thinking you, you, you lose in the race by letting, say, a, a bike a go. Um, yeah. But really, you know, there's not much you can do in those situations. If they're stronger, then... You just got to bide your time and hope that you're stronger at a, at another point in time. Yeah. Um, those those Wanakas for me were always sort of just controlled, just doing my own thing. Um, and you know when I did that, I always ran better too. Uh, mm-hmm. Those races where I really tried to dig deep and say hang with some riders that I knew I could, but maybe I shouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. Genuinely didn't end in a very good run. So uh, yeah. Um, later in my career, I definitely tried to improve my cycling, and and I did. Um, but uh, I still struggled over that full distance because you know you can you can kind of bluff your way through a half Ironman I think as a professional, but mm-hmm. you know when you get into a full distance race you've really got to stick to what works for you. Yeah, yeah, and I guess part of that is is, is in, in any event you fluctuate up and down, don't you? you? Have good patches or you have bad patches? You're going to go well. You, you're going to put some pressure on some other riders, and then they're going to go well, and you might be in a lower patch. So that's part of the reason why it's more important just to do your own thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. From, you know, age groupers up to the professionals. Um, you know, you, you still got to roll the dice sometimes. So you got to really mm-hmm. be able to measure effort. Um, yeah. But there is generally a point where you should uh, just pull pin and then do your own thing. So uh, yeah. that's the beauty of the sport. You've really got to try and and learn that, those intensities um, and those feelings across mm-hmm. across all three sports. So, um, yeah, it's, look, it's something I actually never really completely mastered. You're always trying to figure that out. So, yeah. uh Again, it's, it's probably a, an exciting part of the sport, not really even, even knowing the limits. And the reason for that is there's just so many different factors, isn't there? So many different, so the different people, the different environment, all that sort of stuff that's going on, how you're feeling, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's some bike run, but there's also a, a ton of other things that, that play play into it. So, um, yeah, you know, it makes it exciting. Yeah. It makes it nerve-wracking for you, but it's also... Uh, really satisfying you know when you finish a race and you feel like you've you got everything as about as well as you could nice was kind of talking in that bike sense and and a key part of Ironman is uh is that nutrition element uh and that's where a lot of nutrition happens uh, how, have, how have you managed that how have you figured that out over time for you that that's worked for you <laughs> um so going back to my first Wanaka again I actually just hit the nail on the head probably the first time around just by pure mm-hmm. luck I I um, had a drink bottle and I said, all right, how many gels can I fit in this bottle? And it ended up being about 20 gels. Um, right, okay. <laughs> which ended up being about what I needed to get through, a little bit less on the bike. Um, yep. As I progressed in my career, I tried to like refine that. And, you know, to my detriment in hindsight, I always tried to push things and tried to improve things. Um, yeah, yeah, which is part yeah. of what it is. Like you, you talked about yep. your mountain biking. It's just how can I improve or how can I improve? But it's hard exactly. to know whether you've got it right or not. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you've got to really, I know that for me, well, in general, there's a, there's a limit of sort of how many carbs you can kind of take mm-hmm. on board per, mm-hmm. per hour. And so I think you should look at that limit. And if you can take that limit, then I would, that's what I'd recommend, especially over the Ironman and uh, on the bike. Um, yeah. You know, if your body can handle it, you should be taking it on board because you never know when you might not be able to take it on board. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and you know, the last few years I definitely experimented a bit more and I, I definitely felt that at the end of the marathon um, that I actually probably hadn't had enough. So I wish I'd just stuck to what I knew, which was mm. um, pretty much just getting as much on as I could. And that was always in the form of gels, was it? You didn't really eat much? You just gel, 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 just slam the back and, and we'll drink water at the same time? Yep, yep. So I used to... Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably mix a few gels in 
well, when I first started, it was literally 20 gels in a bottle. I'd sip <laughs> gels and then sip water or sip uh, electrolyte or something. Yeah. Um, and as I progressed, I, you know, started doing different mixes and just trying different things, having um, new, like, sponsored by Cliff later in my career, the last three mm-hmm. or four years. So uh, I'd added in some um, Cliff blocks and yeah. bars, um, whereas in hindsight, you know, I probably wouldn't be better off just sticking to pure gels. Right. Um, and if I could get a bar or two in on the bike, um, and you yeah. know, again, that's that's where everyone's different. You've just got to work out where your limits are, and um, just like when you're racing and effort, you got to you've got to manage that. And if you can really, you know, push those limits, I think that's that's what you should be doing, both in nutrition and obviously in, in effort. Also, sounds that's a bit of a keep it simple situation as well. You can get too complicated on it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I look back at things, it's it's always I should have just kept it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you try too hard here and there, it just it can work. But you you also probably there's more risk. So yeah. um, if simple is working for you, then absolutely I wouldn't I wouldn't change too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, training wise, can you describe your favourite sort of race specific training session before a key event that so really helped you get set for the race? And then based on that, how would you maybe adapt that for for people that are at a lower level? Yeah, I used to do a big, probably two weeks out, I'd do a big um, swim bike run day. And mm-hmm. it'd be like, say, a 4K swim, um, three and a half, four hours on the bike, and then 90 minutes of running. Uh, when yeah. I was in Christchurch, I was, I'd be lucky enough just to swim sort of at, you know, at Jelly Park or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then head up to the hills and I'd do uh, bike run hill reps. So I'd be sort of three times a hilly loop, which yeah. is about 45 minutes to an hour long. And then I'd do a 30-minute run off the bike. So I'd do that three times. Right, okay, um, right. So it's not just yeah. one big bike, right? It's lots of little bits, lots of transitions yep, yep. as well. Yeah, right. And and the, the focus was maintaining, so on the hill climbs, maintaining like a good sort of race power, good good cadence, um, mm-hmm. but using the hill to make it a bit more, um, I guess, you know, the hill sort of comes to you more. It's a bit more attainable um, for the power wise. And, yep, uh, yep. and then I would descend down the hill and then I'd run straight back up for, about say 20 minutes and then 10 minutes down um, mm-hmm. and I just found that when I was really fit um, you know even by that third run I was still feeling pretty you know comfortable like I hadn't really dug into the reserves too much and uh, for me that was a really key key session and I used to do that uh, done it in Boulder and some other places as well where mm-hmm. I just find a good loop um, yep. do that with some some good efforts during it and then uh, and then it's the same thing a 30 minute runoff with some sort of good good intensity um how do you i guess for anyone they could do that session um mm-hmm. you you know especially if you're training for an ironman and you're you're really serious about it and you're putting in those big days then that's a day that most people should be able to probably handle mm-hmm. um, at that, that time of your your preparation yep. as well yep yep so two weeks out you know it's kind of like a i guess like doing a half ironman two weeks yep. out uh, it's just a little bit more controlled and a little bit more aerobic based, which I, yeah. I do think is probably uh, it's probably better in my mind, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, if you really are peaking two weeks out from trying to peak two weeks from that training session, um, but yeah, I think anyone should be or could could do that session. And uh, I really do think the bike run reps just add another dimension of um, kind of uh, just consolidating your fitness and and. Uh, I found it really worked well for me. And after that, was it all about actually I'm just going to just recover and taper and, and and look after myself beyond that and just do a little bit of stuff but not do too much? Like that's the training and it's a preparation in the bank. Is that how it always kind of worked for you? A couple um, of weeks out and then, or not so much? Not so much. Uh, I yeah. used to probably fit in another, actually probably two or three days later, I'd do my final three-hour run. Okay. Um, so I used to do two or three of them no more and no more time either three hours is always my limit um, yep. before uh, yeah, before the, the race um and then i'd also probably two days after that would fit in another five six hour bike ride mm-hmm. um and they were both steady so for me i was finishing most of my sort of l- load i guess from about 10 12 10 11 12 days out from the race mm-hmm. um i just felt that that was what worked for me um yep. and you know and to be honest, I'd actually started from three weeks out, starting to wind down the the uh, the mileage and the, the yeah. time spent. So I, I had yeah. started to freshen up before that. 
Um, yeah. So that was just more about keeping in, in tune with the longer stuff and the longer, mm -hmm. steadier sort of aerobic stuff. Um, it wouldn't be until I think about eight days out, I'd usually do a track session as well. Um, yeah. And then about a week out, I'd do a bit of specific effort on the bike, but nothing long, just um, just just making sure the system's are still going. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, next, next question I had was around pressure. Um, there's actually a relatively small number of professional uh, elite level triathletes, and you must get to know most people pretty well. And, and uh, in New Zealand, we're really fortunate that um, you can go up and say good day to yourself and, and all the other guys around, and, and they're really forthcoming and, and happy to share and things like that. But because there are such a small number of them, and any little edge that you can have over others is really of value. So, how have you dealt with that pressure? That direct pressure from other athletes in the past when you're lining up on the start line or the day before that you're kind of sussing out how you're going to go and that kind of nerves going into the race it's a really interesting question i don't know if you've ever sort of been asked about how you deal with other athletes and yeah. um honestly it's not even really something i've ever sort of thought about you know you you're always kind of you're looking at this person and that person going oh they look fit they look strong you mm -hmm. hear rumors you hear what they did and and, and didn't do um yeah. and so uh, it's a really yeah really interesting question i don't think i ever really worried too much you know like to be honest i knew almost everything i needed to know about the athletes yeah. that i was racing um i knew what they were good at and what they weren't sort of good at um yeah. and so that was just always front and center of my mind it wasn't something that added to the pressure that i felt mm -hmm. i don't think the pressure was always i think coming from myself just to perform as best i could Mm -hmm. um, and I learned and definitely learned in uh, my later years that everyone hurts. Um, yeah, good. You know, like, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Even, even though hurting. Yeah. And did, did you develop a good game face? Because that's part of it too. Like even if you are hurting, you don't want to show that you're hurting to others because then they think you're hurting and then they'll go a bit harder. <laughs> well, you could say you do want to show, but then you're not. So. Okay. Always, uh, <laughs> okay. There's two ways of looking at. It. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I just learned in my time that, like I say, everyone hurts. There are some guys that definitely, if they go past you on your, on the bike, you know they're not hurting anywhere near as much as you. Um, yeah. But you know, everyone's hurting. You've just got to, you know, roll with the punches. I guess sometimes, and uh, more often than not, you know, if you're riding in a group and you're in a group you know a draft legal group obviously um and someone sort of rolls the dice a bit you know that if you also roll the dice and if you can that you'll probably be able to you'll probably still stay together you know mm -hmm. no one in those group situations is necessarily always that much stronger than anyone else so it's just about knowing that and about accepting you know what you can do and not what you can't do mm -hmm. um i'm just just going to jump in there dylan that a pressure on another level now like now that you're retired and you're you're you know taking up some new avenues, some mountain biking and bits and pieces. Is there a pressure on you, or or you probably don't know yet because we haven't actually had any events? But do you feel a pressure that you know people know who Dylan McNeese is? They know you're you know a world triathlete, and now you're going to line up on the start line of a I guess a non-professional a club a club or a local sort of a race. Is it is there pressure on you still to do well there, or the feel of judgment that may come from others or you know, like quite a quite a different type of pressure going from pro athlete to now just, I know a lot of people don't, they come from a pro athlete and they don't continue to do any racing because they don't want that stigmatism of now. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I, I still do this and still love to do it because um, I want to stay fit and healthy and uh, I want to enjoy my, my beers when I have them and enjoy the odd piece of, uh, you know, lolly cake or whatever. Um, but yeah, pressure... I think that will be a, a real thing. Um, the shape I'm in at the moment uh, is is not great, so I would be very worried about turning up to a local try um, and and what people might might think. But you know, I don't think people care. I think they'd be quite happy to beat me. Um, and you know, if I can make people happy, then that's a that's a great thing. <laughs> that's um, a great idea. But uh, I've actually sold my TT bike, so I uh, I will only get another one if I know that I'm going to be uh, in decent shape and can. Um, and can get back to being, you know, somewhat competitive. But I, I do actually have a goal, which is uh, to go back to Hawaii um, as an age group, but probably one day and 
beat my younger brother's time from a couple of years ago. So he's the fastest McNeese in, in Kona at the moment, and uh, I can't really let that slide. So uh, <laughs> I've got to get back there. Another question, and if you've sold your TT bike and you're, and you're sort of semi-retired from there, does that mean you've actually bought a pair of socks with a decent uh, cuff length on them now? I've always had decent cuff length socks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I've always been a fan of higher high socks. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll keep adding to my collection there too, for sure. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, Dylan, to wrap up, uh, what's one or two key tips for others to achieve their potential going forward based on what you've learned across your career? Um, everyone, well, everyone that's lucky enough to have two arms and two legs is, is pretty much the same, you know, so don't ever put barriers on yourself or think that for whatever reason you can't be this or can't be that, you know, we're all the same. Um, we've all got the same ability just to sort of learn and to train and to, to improve. So, um, and you know, it's all relevant. So, um, yeah, just, just don't be afraid to sort of just chase your goals and set a good plan and, um, yeah, do what works for you. The other one would be just do what works for you. Don't, if you know something works, stick to it. Don't get too carried away with um, any new fads or anything. And uh, just number one, if if you're not enjoying it, just mix it up. Cause you always want to, always want to enjoy what you do. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And where are you off to next? Uh, you've you've retired from professional racing. What are you up to now? And and what's the plan for you going forward? Uh, I'm actually going to do Queenstown Half Marathon. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't haven't entered yet, but. Um, that's uh that's on the plans in terms of um athleticism wise i guess uh, yeah, Ang Angus, I just, Angus is just trying to figure out when when there might be a time that he could try and beat you but might have to wait a bit it's or not two. now is it <laughs> <laughs> not <yet. laughs> that's not um, the event no it's not give, we're still a wee while away so the the way my training's going i'm definitely on the downward slope so uh, you never know <laughs> queenstown could be a good chance um, yeah. But I'm actually at the moment I'm lucky enough to be working for the professional triathletes organisation, which uh, I've been on the board since we we started back in 2015. Um, and we've just got really lucky to get a, a, an investor on board last year, um, and we're putting on our first event in Daytona in December. So, uh, yep, my job is basically to try and look after the best I can. And um, yeah, at the moment that's that's pretty full time. I've been doing eight to 10 hours at my desk a day, which is definitely foreign to me. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're just trying to make sure that our athletes can get into the US to, to race because they're all, they're all desperate to race. And um, it's been a pretty tough year for everyone and especially the, the endurance industry. So uh, hopefully we can put on a good show in, in Daytona in December. Work it. Cool. What a great role. That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Dylan. Well, thank you very much. But before we go, we always like to uh, just fire a quick, a quick five questions at our guests, just uh, absolutely no pressure, the most least pressure you'll have uh, all season. Um, so for Dylan, what is what is training? Is it morning or night? Is it his favourite? Morning. Morning. I think, again, Richard, that's another one in the morning block there, definitely. We might have to change that question. Uh, <laughs> training solo or with a mate? It used to be solo, but now I need mates pretty much to get out and motivate me so uh you know even flies yep good uh sweet or savory i'm straight <laughs> down the middle i one day i'll be sweet one day i'll be savory i cannot pinpoint it to be honest sorry <laughs> I, I think i think that is actually the toughest question on our mm, on our list yeah, yeah i just say both i'd rather have a pie and then a cake <laughs> and I think that's the, that is the best way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, really? Yep. No. Well done. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Well done. Uh, a fancy meal out at a lovely restaurant, all flashed up, or one of Mum's good old fashioned home cooked meals? Um, I'd say one of Mum's, but for me, it'd just be more of a barbecue with family or friends. Nice. Nice. Right. Yep. And if you had to swim, lake or sea? I'm gonna say lake. The surf, yeah. uh, the the sea for me is for surfing. So I love to swim in a nice crystal crystal clear clear lake. Like beautiful, great, perfect. Like, good job, perfect, Dylan, perfect. Now I also know Rich. I was just thinking about, and I'm probably being a little bit ambiguous here, to be fair, but uh, not like me to bite off more than I can chew. But I, but I actually I actually do know that there is a, a local Saturday morning uh, bunch ride that Dylan does occasionally attend. 
uh, that I also happen to frequent occasionally as well. So who knows? It may all one sad day this summer. It may all get laid down here in Christchurch, and we'll uh, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, all you need to do, uh, Angus, is just to be at the front for a moment and then sort of claim the victory and then sort of That's roll right. off the back. Doesn't uh, wherever your finish line is. A, a bit like where is the uh, finish line at the Raspberry Cafe, Richard? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I won't exactly. be turning up for a while now then. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we can have like a best of three or something, you know. You know, yeah. yeah. That's fair. Perfect. That's fair. Right, well, Dylan, well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, all the best for uh, retirement, uh, all the best for the new challenges ahead uh, and working with the International Triathlon there. That's that's uh, great to hear that we've got some New Zealand representation, rep, rep, people looking after the athletes out there. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> And, guys. Uh, yeah, it. all the best, and we hope we'll catch you around somewhere. Yep. Sounds good. We'll see you soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Brilliant, guys. Dylan. Thanks for sharing. Bye. Awesome. Good job. Angus, I think I think one of the key learnings from that is maybe you have to start training in the morning. Is that what it is? Well, <laughs> you know, but the bed is always so comfortable, Richard. So uh, <laughs> yeah, recovery, recovery. Yeah, no, maybe you just need to get to bed early. Uh, stop eating so many biscuits at night time. Yeah, C clearly the morning is where I need to be, though, by the sounds of that. So I'm going to take that on board. That's going to be yeah. my takings from uh, from all of the podcasts that we've done lately. Is that Angus needs to get up earlier. <laughs> get yourself sorted nice work um so i want to have a bit of a chat about uh your race in the weekend actually uh, i want to have a uh, get a bit of a feel for uh how you how you go about that six hours on your bike first of all how far did you ride over six hours well, actually first of all richard let, let's just back the truck up here a little bit oh. and it was just great one to be on a bike racing Two, yep. to be sorting, uh, supporting our local event, uh, mm -hmm. the Blue Dog events. Rod and Jane Hibbard do an absolute fabulous job every year of putting together um, out at McLean's Island. What is normally a six and a ten hour, so you have the choice of six hours or ten hours, solo or as a team. Uh, yep. Back in the day, we used to race for 12, but luckily they knocked that silly idea on the head <laughs> and, and, and gave us two hours back. Um, so to Rod and Jane and to everybody that supported the Blue Dog events over the weekend, uh, post-COVID, it wasn't even, nobody was sure whether it was actually going to happen, but it turned into a fabulous day. Yeah, absolutely. And we had a, quite a crew there as well. Uh, you rode, but then there was uh, another another Team CP athlete, John, who was uh, going solo as well, and a whole bunch of teams too. So uh, you had uh, all sorts of people cheering on and, and being part of the event, which definitely makes it, doesn't it? Oh, we had a fabulous time. And that is one of the things about that local event is uh, the atmosphere. The race village, because it's a lap race, yeah. so we're doing laps of McLean's Island, yeah. uh, and you're coming back through the, the pit village every time, and there's always an immense uh, atmosphere going on there that really recharges you each lap to, to and makes you want to carry on. Gives you a wee target to shoot for, doesn't it? i just got to get back there, because that's the fun bit, and then away you go again. I don't know that any of it's fun sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So how far did you ride over your six so, hours? Yeah, so six hours, uh, 15 laps for me. Uh, it's like 100, about 147 odd K, uh, give or take. On your mountain bike. Did you stop at all? On the mountain bike. Yes. Te technically, yes, I did stop, but for only like 20 seconds bursts. Uh, Angus tended to have a bit of a um, warehouse bladder on Saturday, so he had to have a quick 20-second stop every now and then. Just uh, like, But but no, no stopping for me. I take always taken a bit of a tack that you're better just to keep on the bike and keep moving. But <clears throat> again, yeah. to do that, you need a, a good support crew to help you with that. So how did you do that? How do you manage that? How, how like coming through the pits? Do you have food every second lap or uh, a new bottle every lap? How does that work? Yeah, so laps laps at McLean's um, they were actually fast this year, like faster than fast. But we're it's talking sort of about the twenty to twenty two minutes a lap for the fast lot, yep. and uh, which isn't quite an hour. But I sort of try and work on doing a, a bottle a uh, an hour, so every two laps a bottle, okay. and on the on the alternate lap, maybe a gel or half a bar or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing, Rich, because life changes in a flash out there. And I had a bit of an upset tummy after a few hours and had to change what I wanted to eat or what I could drink. I had a couple of pure formulas mixed in the bottle and I wasn't sure whether that was working or not. So we, we just had to play it by it's all very well having a great strategy laid out and i think you need to start with one but That's you also right. have to have the capabilities of being able to adapt as you Move go around. along and have some variety in that because you're not sure what you're going to feel like sometimes either are you 
Yeah, and it, and it's a bit different because I used to be a real whole foods guy and wanted to eat real food type sort of stuff when we were doing 10 hours and 12 hours and when I was on that silly 24-hour caper, um, yeah. you, tended to, <laughs> you tended to eat, uh, wanting to eat proper foods, you know, but yeah. six hours, unfortunately, out there, the six hours become a, what I want to call now a sprint race. It's basically yeah. a six-hour sprint race. And so it becomes a gel race, really. Um, a little bit of real food, bit of lolly cake. I actually went to the lolly cake. That was a bit of a sugar hit and, a, and a, just yep. a nicety feeling. Yep. But a lot of gels and just fluid going in. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, why do you do it? Like running 143 Ks, round around a lap uh, for six hours. Uh, what's the point? Uh, you've done, it's not like it's the first time you've been around either. You turn up, you've, you know the hurt, you know what you're going to go through. What, what, what's the why? Well, why do you do this? FOMO. Okay. Fear of missing out. Yeah, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might miss something. Right, okay. Well, yeah, essentially, essentially uh, yeah, I might miss a good time. I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's going to – one day I know there's going to be a good time and I'm, and I'm scared I'm missing that one day. No, um, what, yeah, why do I do it? I don't know. I guess some of us like to suffer. Some of us like to test ourselves. Um, it's just in us. It's just what we do and we can't help it. Um yeah, I, I don't have a rhyme nor a reason for it. And I was yeah. pretty late entering because um, I wasn't sure. I've been there, done that a few times now. and I, But then the, the push come to the shove and I couldn't miss out. So I just had to enter. <laughs> I talked to, had a good chat with Varjan Armstrong. I was at the Crater Rim Ultra on the weekend and he got third in that event. And we he was sitting in his chair at the end, right at the finish line. And we were just talking about the fact that how good does this chair feel when you've done something like that? You've really pushed the boundaries, you've gone hard, and the chair feels so good, doesn't it? Like when you've sat down and you know that you've given it everything. Ultimately, that's kind of what it's about, isn't it? Having that 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 really challenging challenging ourselves because in this day and age, we don't really do that very much. We can survive, we can eat plenty of food, we can get around all that sort of stuff. But but actually, to challenge ourselves to then have the offset of that to just to sit down with our feet up in a chair, that's pretty nice, isn't it? Drinking a beer, whatever. Yeah. Drink drink a beer it was all right for him because he hadn't been sitting down all day, so the chair was probably good. Other, <laughs> other than us that had been sitting on our bum for six hours, uh, we're quite happy to stand for a little bit actually. But yeah. uh, that's exactly right. You know, the 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 reward of a beer um, at the end is, is always there. Um, but I mean, the camaraderie, the the you know, you've got a support crew. It's as much yeah. of a win for them when they see you finish, and that's just as good a feeling. Uh, inside me to, you know, see the reward that my support crew got out of it. Uh, you know, I, I had a good mate there uh, who did it for his very, very first time. And uh, when I, you know, I did pass him a couple of times, but it just gave me so much pleasure to come across him out there. He was hurting, I was hurting. We just, you know, different speeds of hurting. Um, mm. and, and, and all of those things are just so rewarding. I don't know. It's, it's just that. Love of suffering, I think, Richard. Yeah, nice. Um, uh, the three to four hour mark, you've only just got over halfway. Uh, you still know we're near the finish line. You can't quite open your sprint up yet. Uh, how does Angus Petrie de deal with the three to four hour mark uh, nowadays? Because a, a bit of that's experience, isn't it? You know you can get there. You know you can do it. But you don't really want to be there anymore, do you? Let's be honest. You, you sting's out of your legs. You're probably, as you mentioned, you're hurting a bit. How do you deal with that? What do you do? Well, I want to clarify first is that uh, it's not that we weren't ready to let the sprint out. It's that we'd actually started sprinting. That was half the problem. Um, oh, and like I said, it is a sprint race, and it's pretty hard to tell yourself you need to pace yourself. You just go and you hang on. Um, and that was a bit of our tack this time was just go until you blow and and then work it out from there. Look, this year was probably uh, every year is hard, and you, and you know you're going to get in that suffering. And luckily, my support crew, they know that I'm going to – get a little bit dark and they just and I'm gonna moan and and, and they're just gonna roll with it because they know I'll get over it. And, and this year was no different. We got to about that three, three and a half hour mark this year and and I was having a little bladder issue and that was starting to really frustrate me. And 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 I, and I gotta be honest, I was exactly that. You know, I've been here, I've done this a thousand times. I don't actually need to I'm only doing it for for myself. And giggle, let's yep. be honest. Mm -hmm. And and actually, it's it's the other people uh, that are involved that actually keep you going. On this occasion, my father had driven all the way. You know, he'd driven an hour and hour and twenty minutes from Devotionals over the hill uh, to come and be my support crew, and I was ready, thinking right and early, going, you know what, I don't actually need to be here. This is I'm just going to pull the pin and we'll have a beer and we'll, you know, 
Yeah, the stupid bloody bike race. And uh, <clears throat> and then I was like, well, you know what? My father's driven all this way. You know, it's it's I, I can't like myself. I can't just pull the pin and go, Dad, you can go home now. So decided I'd better reassess my choices in life. And uh, and from that moment, from the moment I thought that, I recognised that we had issues going on, and I just sailed through the pits and said to said to my father, I said, look. We need to pull our shit together here, feed me some sugar, and uh, let's reassess how we get around this. And so we did a couple of laps of uh, some actual jet planes for a start, yep. just to put some pure sugar in. And I knew once I got over the four-hour mark, once we could clock the four-hour mark, then we actually only had an hour to go. And I, yep. I say that because um, an hour only takes you to five, but once you get to five hours, you, you know you've only got two laps left. Yes. Um, yes theoretically in that five hours you've got two laps left now you've technically actually only got one lap left because the second to last lap uh you know you can do you know you can do one more and so you get that done after the five hour mark and then the last lap's just pure adrenaline so yeah, uh, you're at finish the day's done all i've got to do is i've got to ride my bike for 22 more minutes or three minutes or whatever yeah. and we're done and dusted so yeah. when you start winding the clock back like that and breaking it down into those type sort of sections <laughs> um, then it actually becomes quite an easy way to refocus the mind and go, well, actually, I now get to the four hour. Now all I've actually got to do is get to here. And, yeah. you know, and it yeah. comes back to you pretty quickly. So to summarise, uh, you'll do more for other people than what you do for yourself. So thinking about others that mean something to you and people that are cheering you on, that, that's, that's really big, isn't it? And then also the second part of it is actually just break it down into its small bits. And then I've just got to do this. And I've just got to do that. And don't think too far ahead. Just stay in the now. And then you're going to, going to go, well, what's next? Uh, you've just ticked this one off. Uh, had a good weekend. Had a good day out. What's next on the cards for Angus Petrie? Uh, other than Saturday morning trying to race Dylan up the hill. No. Well, actually, we're, we're going to take the uh, the CP Media bus on tour this weekend. Oh. And and uh, we're actually heading for uh, Takaka. Yep, and uh, so I've entered the milk and honey race, which uh, starts in Takaka and finishes in Takaka, and I'm going to ride, ride my road bike up the Takaka yep. hill, uh, yep. uh, seven hundred vertical meters of climbing, and then we're going to get on the mountain bike and have some fun down the Ramika Trail back to Takaka again. So yeah, really yeah. looking forward to that, which is a completely different uh, game to what we've just come from. We've come from a flat, fast, uh, basically a constant pedaling, and yep. now we're going to uh, completely flip the muscle. The muscle group and try and point the legs uphill for a bit and then um find some flow yeah good 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 and that's a great track it's a tough track there ramika track there's a few bit of pedaling in it for a start to get across and then start coming down there's a bit of technical sort of nature lots of tree roots and all that sort of thing so yeah i look forward to um seeing what war wounds you have at the end i guess yeah well would you believe i'm a virgin <laughs> haven't been down there yet oh good fantastic <laughs> So we're going to go blind, so that's okay. Yep. I like to ride a new trail. New, there's nothing actually better than new trail day, except good. for new bike day. But after new yeah. bike day comes new trail day. So. <laughs> Fantastic. No, good. Look forward to hearing the uh, the, the the war stories and, and see how you got on uh, going up versus going down. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, no. So it should be good. So that's a, a bit of a summary there. But to everybody that did complete uh, in the weekend uh, the six-hour mountain bike race, um, you know, we had some great feedback afterwards. That's actually, Richard, just quickly, that's one of the great things as well is talking with everybody afterwards. Once that that clock's finished and then everybody starts opening up with their stories of the day and, uh, you know, there's just so much enthusiasm and adrenaline just running around there with people's, you know, all those that suffered, they're, they're about three minutes away from saying see you next, next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I was at, as I mentioned, I was at the Crater Room on Saturday and saw heaps of our people uh, come across the line. Uh, and this one person, Jill, uh, that, uh, that, that was mentioning that he was swearing a lot in French, uh, that he was having a horrible day, and basically started talking to him. But by that time at the end of the conversation, he'd pretty much already signed up for next year. So... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh god yeah no so well done for everyone who got out on the weekend put their toe on the start line has a war story to tell has a has a something they'll never forget um and, a, and an adventure to show for it so that's fantastic totally totally right well 
part three of our, our show today, our performance network. So uh, we've got a whole bunch of people that we refer to, that we trust, that do an awesome job from, from podiatrists to physios to massage therapists to nutritionists to, to you name it. So um, tonight we've got Simon Salmon, our, who's a part of our performance network. He's based in Auckland. He's a physiotherapist. And uh, Simon's passionate about helping people uh, to see how good they can be, but he takes a really holistic view of um, the, the athlete, the person, the individual to see how can we make sure that they get the best out of their movement and, and their performance that they're trying to do. Um, so, yeah, shall we jump in and, and see if Simon's available there? Yeah. Hi, team. Um, here, task to talk about shoulders tonight for swimmers and kayakers. And look, shoulders can be a really big issue um, when they go wrong. They're great until they, they don't. Um, you know, shoulders, uh, you know, here's the, say, the left, uh, person's left-hand shoulder. If you look at it from behind, the, the amount of revolutions this guy does in a pool in a week, yeah. you know, is 100,000 plus. So it's a very, very unstable joint. It's got the greatest range of movement of any joint in the body, or arguably the, the, the significant movement of the, of, in the body. It's really only attached to the skeleton by your sternocavicular joint here. Um, the rest of it is just held on by muscles. So the upshot of that is, is your posture is crucial to how the shoulder behaves and how functional you are with it. So, you know, that's where your coaches are really important to, you know, it can be quite a dry topic if you're hunched over and you're told to constantly change that. But what we need is you to have that chest open the, you know, if you're looking at the, the scapula from the back, that should effectively be vertical and parallel next to the spine. So, you know, when it starts coming forward or tilting forward, then the actual shoulder joint itself does not respond. So, so rather than just... Yeah. On the bike, like that's one of my key sort of things that we'll, I always talk about is actually shrug your shoulders up to years, then relax them down. So you've got to, got to actually know what the difference is because often they just creep up, don't they, up to here. Yeah. And especially when, like for me when I'm paddling, if you, yeah, they're actually coming from your chest, the power, rather than rather than from your trapezius up around your neck. So actually get those shoulders down, that's what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of our day jobs can be, you know, if our work setup's not ideal, so... You know, someone comes to me with a shoulder shoulder problem, swimming, kayaking, even cycling. You know, it may be, you know, it's a high-performance school kid leaning forward or leaning on one side. Their mouse is too far forward. Mm -hmm. So looking at part of it is where the mouse is, send me pictures of your, your workstation and, and how that is. Mm -hmm. Liaise with the coach and make sure, you know, what have you picked up on the issues there? You know, for example, if you have a slight bit of asthma, you'll tend to breathe too much with your apical muscles up here rather than more diaphragm so you'll tend to tend to get tighter trapezius one of the, the the things we should be looking at is you know when you're looking at the shoulder the the collarbone should be about two centimeters higher at the outside edge so it should be slightly up it doesn't want to be depressed or lower than the the sternocavicular joint so slight raising but only about by an inch no more um, and how, what should you be doing if you if that is the case? Well, then you've got stretches. <laughs> yes. So you've got you've got stretches for you know. I don't want to sort of get loaded down on technicalities, but yes. you've got you've got to decide whether it's a trapezius problem, where yeah. the whole shoulder will be up, or it could be a levator scap, which Latin means lifts the shoulder up. So that means the the inside part of the scapula might be a little bit higher up. Both right. can cause yeah. neck pain. Both can cause shoulders. <laughs> so. Posture's huge. Listen to your coach. Um, take feedback on that. Look at your workstation and cycling. And it's not just the swimming or kayaking. It's those hours you spend on the on the on the bike or at work. Yeah, um, so I guess when we're talking about shoulders, you know, there's a number of different issues. Both can be really sort of uh, hobby limiting, career limiting if it's your your full time job. But you know, when we're looking at some of the problems, we've got tears of the rotator cuff. We've got impingement we've got little fluid filled spaces called bursa as you can imagine these are like little uh, shock absorbers but if we're doing this sort of movement a hundred thousand times plus a week um, then there's a real potential for that to become swollen then when you lift your arm up it impinges causes pain um, and then suddenly you're having difficulty sleeping on that side swimming or kayaking 
or even when you're cycling. Um, yeah, and then obviously we've got issues with, with tendonitis, overuse, so look at your training volumes, your coach will be, uh, be giving you good pointers about that. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to make sure that things like uh, tears from actually lifting your kayak onto your roof of your car or the bike, you know, we've got a safe zone of lifting, you know, about shoulder height. When we start getting out of that, the amount of load through the shoulder goes up hugely. For example, if I hold a 10 kilogram load to my chest, that's 10 kilograms. At 50 centimetres, that is now 30 kilograms. So you imagine a bike up here, catches the wind, catches a, a corner of the, the, car, uh, the roof rack. Suddenly we're looking at a tear and, you know, a rotator cuff tear. That's how injuries happen, isn't it? Like just random, yeah. like, like just that moment, like, oh, gosh, how did that happen? And then, then you've got to deal with it. Yeah, a little, a little stool on the, you know, plastic stool to, to make, to take a foot of lift out of your, your, your bike or kayak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't want to scare you, but yeah, you get a rotator cuff tear. That's six weeks with your arm in a sling. Mm. Another couple of months of, of uh, bungees and that can really uh, tear your season apart. So, yeah. um, so what do we need to do? What's, what's a, a couple of key pointers sort of around shoulder health? And, 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 and I guess it's strength as well, isn't it? The stronger we are, the more robust we are, the less likely we are to get injured. Yeah, so we, barring one-off injuries, we want to make sure that our posture is good. So we're looking at balance around our shoulder. We're looking at posture. We're making sure the collarbones are just slightly raised at the, the end, end by, say, uh, about two centimetres. We're making yep. sure if we looked at ourselves from the back, our scapula would be vertical. They wouldn't be rotated forward. We'd have roughly about four of our fingers between our spine and the shoulder blades at the back. Okay. So if that's five or six, it means we're quite protracted and hunched. And we'll get an idea of looking ourselves in the side of the mirror if our head's poking forward and yeah. if we've got a back shaped like a banana. Okay. So, um, so key exercises, key stretches, what should we be doing? Yeah, so tight, tight shoulders, you need to stretch the trapezius, such as holding onto the chair, stretching your head over to one side. Holding that for say 15 to 20 seconds. Some really technical stretches, lat latissimus dorsis, the main power uh, shoulder muscle. That's what wins you the race is swimming. It's also one yeah. of the big muscles in kayaking. We need to fix the shoulder blade, lie on our back, um, and make sure our arm is parallel to our midline. We've got a, a bit of a picture on that later. Yeah, um, shall we see if we can throw that up now, shall we? Is, it, is that uh, yeah. this one that you're talking about? So that's that one there. It's, it's quite tricky. You've got to flatten your back into the floor to. Um, fixate that. You've got to hold your shoulder blade where my left hand is, and yeah. then I have my arm keeping it parallel with the midline and just letting it hang. More gravity doing the job than trying to force it back. That can take yeah. a month or six weeks to actually stretch out, but quite a subtle stretch. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's gold. It, it's really yeah. important. Plus, making sure the right yeah. I was going to say, and on those stretches, it's about doing a little bit and often, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And any strength training is actually a little bit and often to, to be able to affect that change and you get your body to adapt to that. that that's right. And um, and so another great one, we've got a wall stretch. A lot of us hunched over desks on bikes, even swimmers have that real swimming posture. Is that so that that that's it there. Mm -hmm. And what I've got here is if you, you find your head actually is quite hard to reach back to the wall, then yep. use a towel spacer just so you don't strain your neck um, when you're, you're getting your whole spine flat. So you bend your knees, you have your feet about a foot away from the wall, you lie back into the wall. That's yep. your first job. Then you bring your back into the wall. Have your towel so your head's against the wall. If you're doing yep. that, your first effort, you're doing great. Then you can progress on to getting your shoulders drawing back into the wall. Now, it took me, because I did a bit of swimming, it took me about seven months to get to that stage. So it's little and often, it's a shower each morning doing it, maybe at night, uh, yep. before the pool, before a kayak. Fantastic. Um, yeah, good. And have you got and, and, uh, like your, your last key exercise to, to share with us in terms of uh, shoulders that we should be doing? So you're talking about lying on the ground and reaching back behind your head. You're talking about uh, arms up against the wall and 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 back and uh, head against the wall and bringing your shoulders and arms up against the wall. Have you got another sort of key one that you'd really recommend for us? Yeah, from a just strength? make yeah, just make sure that again it's more flexibility. We haven't talked about strengthening, but yeah. just make sure that if you were going to be lying on your back and you rolled your hand down towards your hip pocket with the arm at 90 degrees. Yeah. If you find your shoulder pops forward, 
rather than the hand being able to go down like that, like then that's a, that's it there. So you've, you've got to make sure that you can fix the shoulder with the left hand reaching across. You raise the elbow slightly and you just let that shoulder gently hang there. You don't force it. And you've mm -hmm. got to make sure that the shoulder stays back on the ground because if you don't, you'll force it forward and you'll get that impingement and that bursa inflammation. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic, Simon. Uh, and and uh, so you've talked a little bit about mobility and stretch, stretching. Uh, and, and, and as I mentioned, like the shoulder joint is a really like, a most mobile joint and that helps us to be able to throw stuff and, and, and collect stuff and move our hands in space. Uh, like rotator cuff muscles, um, strength, etc. What should we be doing around along those lines just to make sure that that we're less likely to be injured? Well, we've got to make sure that the the shoulder's in a good position to start with. Sometimes putting a ball between the side and holding it so it's slightly out, and then you can do a lateral rotator because obviously that's part of your your uh, kayaking technique. Uh, so making sure that the elbow always stays at ninety and pushing it out to the side with the ball held in at your side. But again, the shoulder's got to be in neutral. If you start finding a finishing up here, you need to get that corrected. So the scapula is staying parallel at the back of your, your spine and you're just yeah. working that shoulder, keeping the yeah. shoulder joint moving purely. And would it be helpful just to quickly talk about if you are having problems, just yeah. some of the yeah, yeah. things that the physio can be doing? Yeah, let's do that because I think a lot of us do have shoulder problems. Um, yeah. To, yeah, let's just roll over that. So yeah, it'd be good to make sure that your physio is looking at your lat dorsi length, your posture, the, sh the shoulder rotating forward. Um, if you're still getting problems, despite them seem, you know, looking at this, obviously you, you x-ray to make sure there's no bony projections down onto where the shoulder can impinge. Mm -hmm. You also need an ultrasound just to make sure there's no swelling in that, that bursal point we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if the physio is going to refer you for that, ask if it can be a, a practice that a radiology clinic that can put some, um, do some diagnostic injection into the bursa if it is swollen. They can put some anesthetic. If that takes the pain away, then that's a good indication that a cortisone is going to be useful. Again, okay. cortisone will only be effective if those causative factors have been addressed. Otherwise, it'll give you a three-week window of, oh, that feels great. And then yeah. after that, the pain will start recurring and, you know, you might go back for another one. And then it's, uh, the doctor says, oh, we won't give you any more. You've had your two or three, and you think, oh, my shoulder's worse than I thought. Yes, yeah, 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 brilliant. Fantastic, Simon. Um, and how do people get in touch with you? Uh, you've been pretty great uh, referring some of the ones that have had problems and need second opinions, but yep. uh, info at Future Proof Rehab will, will get me. Futureproofrehab.co.nz yeah, great. And that's uh, as 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 you've mentioned, like it's a it's a holistic thing, and and let's see how you move, and let's look at that, and and help you move and be better, both obviously in your sport, but also how you move around your your workstation, all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, it's a whole thing, lifting kids, and yeah, yeah, brilliant. And it's one of those things as greater services, and uh, that you provide there, Simon. It's one I don't actually want to use. <laughs> I hope I hope yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's, well, you're one of those people that we hope we don't actually have to see, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, but if you're Sometimes, listening, you, you shouldn't have to because you will be doing a bit of mobility and this sort of stuff, and exactly, and then you should be good. Bit of screening yeah. at the start of a season, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. Good. Well, Simon, thank you for joining with us again, um, and we actually really look forward to your next topic uh, coming up in the future weeks to come. We'll have you back. We'll pick another topic and uh, always great to have you on board and, and hear your side of the story and, and a bit of preventative, all those preventative things, which will hopefully help our athletes uh, stay out of trouble and, and not need you. Mm. No, that's good. No good problem. Job. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Keep in touch. We'll talk Thanks, Thanks Simon. Good job. Well done, Angus. Uh, learning from the show. It's always good to hear uh, like you've been making some notes furiously in the background. Uh, what's your key learning today? Uh, well, my key learning today is actually um, that I have to get I have to train in the mornings, Richard. <laughs> I need, to, I need to get up earlier. That's what I need to do, Richard, is get up earlier. And if I'm going to beat Dylan, I've got to get up much earlier. Because so, he talked about lolly cake as an option as well. I was expecting you to say lolly cake's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, get up earlier. Early bird catches the worm and uh, and uh, yeah, get amongst it. 
Well, I was actually thinking when he said about the lolly cake that maybe uh, he'd been seeing he'd seen what we'd already been eating tonight, Richard. Yeah, well, I haven't. Uh, mine's about to be uh, sampled oh, shortly. Oh, post post race. Uh, that's post race uh, recovery it's food. Is it? it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Good job. Perfect. Excellent. No, well, thank no. you. Thanks for your energy tonight, Angus. It's been awesome. Yeah, another great night, another great Wednesday. Don't forget, people, uh, first of all, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening if you're listening to this on a podcast. Uh, don't forget to uh, like our Facebook page, Team CP. Um, all the information for, uh, for some coaching's over at teamcp.co.nz on the website. Uh, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's all sorts of interviews and recipes and all sorts of things popping up there all the time. So don't forget to get on board with that. And we will see you next Wednesday, same time, same back channel, Richard Greer. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to that. And hey, hey, big thank you to Simon. Big thank you to Dylan. And well done, Angus. Uh, and thank you as well for telling us about your weekend. Good job. Till next no week. problem. Go well. Spread the awesomeness, team. Yep. Over and out.